0: Welcome back to the Gaming News Canada show presented by Osler, Hoskin, and Harcourt LLP. Thank you very much for joining us as always, and once again, I am your host, Steve McAllister. Regular contributor Amanda Brewer is on a well-deserved break this week, so we're expecting Mark Silver and Gavin Roth from Parlay Media Group to pinch hit with more authority than we've seen from the New York Yankees this season, and especially this week. Uh, we want to open the show by going through a few headlines from the the worlds of sports betting and, and sports. And uh, if you had a chance to to read the newsletter this morning, you've seen there's a there's a little bit of an intersection of, of sports and uh, sports media and sports betting talk this week. Um, just quickly, uh, the SBC Summit Barcelona is wrapping up today, and we'll we'll be over right about now. Um, SBC Awards are taking place tonight. We we're hoping to have Jessica Wellman from SBC join us, but we got an email from Jess this morning saying that she was dealing with a, a case of laryngitis. So uh, we wish her a, a speedy recovery f- from that. And that's a bit of a bummer as she gets ready to, uh, to tra- travel home to the, to the US. So we wish her well. Uh, one of the most, I guess, the most clicked on item in the newsletter this morning is um, our reference to the BCLC's new uh, advertising campaign for PlayNow.com. The, the picture they make it at. Kudos to BCLC having, having a bit of fun fun with it. So if you get a chance, see uh, the YouTube videos embedded, embedded in the newsletter, you can take a look at that. Dave Briggs from Play Canada, he kind of kept home fires burning this week on, on the advertising standards and the rule changes by the AGCO. Uh, we have a link to Dave's column in the on the home front section of the newsletter which we we did include for our free subscribers as well this week a little bit of bonus coverage for for them uh, again one of the most clicked on items in the newsletter and in which why we why we include it was the story around BioSteel filing for bankruptcy last week and more specifically the, the owners uh BioSteel now owned by Canopy the cannabis people so we linked to a story that lists some of some of the creditors and it's quite quite a list uh, Mark Silver, I know this is a story that you you and I talked a little bit about on Slack this week, and this filing for bankruptcy does have a bit of an impact on uh, sports media and Canada and also the, the hockey world because uh, BioSteel does owe the NHL an, an awful lot of money, and I, I believe TSN and uh, Sportsnet are also among the creditors.
1: Some sports properties and teams are also the creditors, and you just hope that those individual clubs that are also uh, facing uh, – this collections issue from biosteel are not also facing a collections issue from uh diamond sports group uh for their regional sports network rights so i I think the theme here steve and i'll let gavin chime in on the on the sponsorship element and and the risks that uh properties take when when they do these sorts of deals on on collections but you think what's going on in, in the economy at large i mean we hear about bankruptcies. We hear about companies are not doing MA as much as they used to, to acquire other companies, at least by using uh, venture funding or private equity funding to, to to finance those types of purchases. But if you look you look back and, and you think about Canopy, and this is not a cannabis industry show, Steve, but if you think about Canopy and how they raised money and the kind of the bubble that burst several years ago in that industry, and then you think think about how they used Their cash flow to purchase BioSteel, and and I'm sure it seemed like a great idea—cannabis-infused beverages. BioSteel's got a great brand and great reach, but ultimately, and I think we've seen some of this in our industry here in in the gaming world. It's very difficult to continue to put money into marketing and sponsorship without the revenue coming in to make your business profitable to sustain your business. Gavin, what's your what's your take on kind of the sponsorship landscape of this? this bankruptcy?
2: Well, first of all, you're giving me um, flashbacks and hives because of my decision to hang on to my canopy stock when (laughs) I should have sold off, but let's put that aside. Um, um, Lots of therapy to deal with that one. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's um, biosteel. It's interesting because um, I do some advising for some properties one of which was recently attempting to engage with BioSteel in a partnership, a hockey league, um, uh, to you know to to support all of the teams league wide, and BioSteel didn't didn't engage, and now we have a better sense of why. Um, they're trying to scale back. They're obviously trying to shore up their operations, as they say, conserve. Cash and that probably means, you know, no more sponsorships in the short term, midterm, and maybe extricating themselves from some current deals, sponsorship deals. So it's not never a pleasant time when this happens. And what it really pulls on is the relationship between the property and biosteel. Um, will will they hang on to some relationships and those where they don't have strong ties, will they shed those? Will they uh, get favorable treatment, maybe stay with us, don't pay until you're ready to? Or will the properties just walk away and try and monetize the category with other brands? So a lot of those interesting discussions, but I think a big part of that comes down to the relationship between biosteel and the properties and where it's strong. It'll survive this kind of thing and where it's not, it's going to be um, tricky times for the property and for biosteel to get out of it. You know, Gavin, as you were talking
1: about this, and it's it's still in the news, amazingly, all these months later, maybe it'll be in the news forever. We look at, at FTX and what happened to them not, not too long ago, and that's in a much, much grander scale than this biosteel piece. But it, it just brings me back to the risks around properties, t- taking money, diverting assets, investing in production, you know, around businesses that are
2: uh, risky in themselves yeah bets in and of themselves yeah and and i would i wouldn't have thought of biosteel they were the darling of the energy drink category you know this disruptor comes along and um, shakes up uh, the foundation of that category which is dominated by gatorade and then to a lower degree powerade but you've had all these new entrants come in to that category, the gurus and the um, uh, G fuel, and um, you know all, all these. There's so many you can go on and on. The the energy category um, has diversified. Red Bull, obviously uh, a big player in there, so no longer was about the big two, but it's just not a category that you would have thought was as volatile as as crypto, and um, So this comes, you know, as a bit of a surprise to some until they peel back and realize, oh, wait a second, they were owned 90 percent by Canopy and Canopy is struggling and they've had to pull back. So then so I don't think it's it's a category issue. Um, I think it's a company issue, Um, but I think the category as a whole continues to diversify and will be a good target for sports and entertainment properties. I I tend to agree with Gavin. But it was reported back in August
0: that the canopy was selling its uh, Smith Falls facility back to to Hershey, the original owners, for fifty three million dollars. And uh, you know, canopy has let a lot of staff go, and and it's, uh, obviously they've gone through some some really diff- difficult economic times of their of their own. So I I think probably you're you're bang on. Because, as you mentioned, biosteel has got a good reputation as, as, a, as a product. Um, one question I did have, Gavin, again, maybe just it goes back to simply this is more of a canopy issue than a, than a biosteel issue. Are companies or brands sometimes, are, are there, and, and again, it's, it's a w- worthwhile conversation given the, the kind of advertising and marketing spending we've seen in, uh, in Ontario's gambling industry. Is there a danger in companies over overspending on marketing?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I think we've seen some of that in the sports betting space. You know, it's an arms race, as we've talked about on this show. And a lot of them got out uber aggressive to gain awareness, gain share. Um, Always a danger, always a fine line. Um, And I'm seeing in general in the market a more cautious approach to marketing when we talk to Brands about corporate partnerships and sponsorships. There used to be, um, I would say pre-pandemic, a, um, a stronger willingness to jump in knee-deep, perhaps. Now now it's put a toe in the water. Um, let's see if it works. Let's, and, and as we shift to more um, gig economy, more of a gig economy and brands that are performance-driven and, and e- e, you know, e-com-driven, you're seeing you're seeing even a more cautious approach. I want to uh, segue over to
0: the uh, the Professional Women's Hockey League, and the league had its uh, first ever draft on Monday. Just a great day down at the CBC studios, and I think for any of us who have been advocates or fans of, of women's hockey, it was uh, j- just a tremendous tremendous day um you know it's funny my my mom happened to be here in kincardine visiting from eastern ontario and uh it was my mom who started women's hockey in our hometown of prescott down in eastern ontario back in uh back in the mid-1970s when a group of girls that she was coaching in in softball in the town asked her at the end of the summer if if she would start a hockey team because they wanted to start playing hockey and you know, 1975, 76 isn't all that long ago, and to see where the women's game has, has come, um, you know, I'm I'm not ashamed to admit that it was that was a little, was a little bit emotional Monday to watch those women uh, get drafted, and and just so much respect for Billie Jean King and what she she's done and continues to do for for women's sports around the world. Uh, you and I traded emails, Gavin, a week ago. We wrote about this in the newsletter. And you know the opportunity for for sports books or, or, or gambling businesses to to, to um, get involved as partners with the PWHL, and, and they did announce last week that Canadian Tire was the league's first first founding partner. Uh, there are a couple of ways to slice the apple here. One of them is that in terms of a betting product, there's probably some work to do on that end, and and we're, we're going to talk a bit about that with Nick Sulski when Nick joins us about their curling Canada partnership. Uh, But that's a challenge. At the same time, you have a a new venture with a lot of excitement around women's sports and women's hockey right now. And it probably makes some sense from a brand awareness standpoint for for any company to get to get involved with the PWHL.
2: Yeah, I mean, it kind of ties back to my earlier comments about brands with performance marketing objectives. And and sports books certainly fit into that, but there's there's two sides to the coin. There's there's performance, and then there's brand building. And as I I said to you last week, um, you know these brands would be wise to consider the tremendous brand building opportunity here. Um, you know, even if there's no action to be bet on yet, because the data side of it has to come together. Um, you are tapping into a movement. Uh, You are tapping into a passionate and engaged and loyal fan base of sports fans. So they can do two things at once. They can walk and chew gum. They could watch and support women's hockey and they could also bet on NFL and curling and, and F1 and MLB. So I think and And just just that idea of, of 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 that passionate fan base seeing a brand, a sports book brand step up and support and put money into the success of the league um will make them think favorably about that sports book and
0: Gavin, the other thing I wrote about in that section the newsletter last week with with uh, with the league and potential opportunities for sports books was on. Responsible gambling messaging too, and and player endorsements, and uh, you know, given the uncertainty right now around Ontario and and where you know where the standards and and ultimately end up being, there's you know these new standards that the AGCO has set out aren't aren't being put into place until the end of February, um, and then you also have you know you have teams in New York, uh, Boston, Minnesota, which has no Minnesota doesn't have legal sports betting right now. And then you have Montreal, where where a lot of Quebec has essentially a monopoly right now, and along with Ottawa and and Toronto. I, I do wonder again if if um, you know, especially in Canada, the U.S., where women's hockey players have fairly high profiles, especially in certain certain geographical locations. If it would make sense for a sports book to bring on board uh, bring on board players. Even if Ontario, those players are just are just there to, to deliver responsible gambling gambling messaging.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I I think um, what it made me think about when the news came down was not the elimination of celebrity endorsement, um, just the a, a re a rethink of how they use those celebrity endorsements and being being putting those, the Austin Matthews and the Connor McDavid's and the Wayne Gretzky's out there to rather encourage responsible gaming. Um, it'll come down to the length of the deals. I think they've signed with those athletes and celebrities, um, the Aaron Pauls of the world, and um, and and just either retaining them and re rethinking how they use them. I think it, it would be a very effective use if they kept it and and just just had them encourage responsible gaming. Their voices and their their images carry a lot of weight. But or maybe we're just going to see a lot of naked people in ads like BCLC started a trend, but hopefully not. Um, I, I think I think it's just going to force these books to be more creative in their marketing instead of that lazy, somewhat lazy approach of take a a bad acting uh, player and put them on on screen and and people will listen to what they're saying and will come along for the ride. I think it's it's a little bit more it's a little bit of a lazy approach and I'm excited to see how they pivot. It, it, it does feel Gavin like there's maybe been a
0: bit of a shift with the advertising, um, you know, just the last couple of weeks whether it's it's on my f- phone or computer or, or watching TV where um, you know, Bet365 came out with its own curling specific ad a week ago as part of its Never Ordinary can- campaign. And uh, that seemed to be kind of the first time that, that Bet365 had, had invested somewhat in, in having a distinct Canadian uh, bent to to aber- advertising. Um, I think we've seen companies, some of the operators have focused a little bit more on promoting their, their online, uh, casino and, and the iGaming piece of their, uh, of their business. And I mean, obviously NFL is, uh, is king on the sports betting side and there's a lot of that as well. Um, but it does feel to me that there has been a bit of a shift in strategy and that, uh, operators are starting to recognize that, that, uh, you know what? What goes in the U.S. isn't necessarily going to work, or, or that you know it probably is smart for your business to do something that's at least a little bit Canadian centric.
1: Yeah, Steve. I think when you look at what we see in Canada, um, even though the NFL has returned, um, it's really the NHL which is which is going to drive everything that we've been talking about around this dialogue of, of advertising. And you know we don't we don't yet have the uh, you know the announcement of, of who the uh, the two uh, hockey night in Canada if not more uh, lead uh, lead partners are at least in the sports betting category. Now uh, we definitely have heard there's there is going to be a changing of uh, what was there last season and last season for everyone who wasn't watching. That was DraftKings and, and Bet365. And so a lot remains to be seen. You know when we're having this conversation again. Come what is it, Steve? Uh, October the 10th, Um, there's probably going to be a lot more to talk about than there is today.
2: Yeah,
0: we've even seen, Mark, there's been a a pullback from Sportsnet. I referenced this in in the newsletter last week that uh, when you go to Sportsnet's website now, there's really no mention of betting whatsoever other than the the ads that pop up on on pages. And uh, there is a fantasy link on on the Sportsnet.ca homepage, but no – no references to betting, um, obviously a much different story on, on TSN and TSN.ca, um, through that, through that partnership with, uh, FanDuel. And, um, I think we, I think we've got Gavin back and uh, Gavin, I yeah. think I, uh, in a long winded way, my question earlier to you was just, ha- have you seen a bit of a, a an evolution or, a, or shift in, marketing and advertising strategy, yeah. and, and does it feel like operators are maybe trying a little bit harder to, to focus a little bit more on, on the Ontario marketplace?
2: I have seen a shift, but I feel it's more a function of we're, we're well into the market, right? And, and brands um, are uh, have figured out, have learned a lot over the first year plus of, of a regulated market and can't continue to spend at the rate they're spending, Number one, they're also reading the sentiment, the the, the pushback on the level of, of, um, messaging, and and maybe some are starting to listen to that, and the broadcasters fit into that box uh, to some degree, and then you get um, shift to more tactical, uh, lower cost initiatives, and maybe support of of tactical and lower cost sports and properties because it's just not sustainable. To be cutting seven-figure checks to media operators, media owners, and 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 properties. So I think it it it's partly the change in the regulations, and it's partly just the evolution of where we're at in the market and how sustainable the previous spending and previous levels of marketing uh, would be. And and now we're going to get into a different time of the year where curling starts and where hockey and basketball are going to ramp back up, and you're going to see messages tailored you said bet 365 that's why they came out with a a curling theme message it's a smart play in canada and we'll see more of that kind of as i say more strategic more tactical approaches i think going forward
0: yeah and and also a a busy fall season again gavin to uh, all the sports that you just mentioned and obviously uh Interest in the CFL does tend to ramp up this time of year as we get into the home stretch of the regular season and and the playoffs, and then the Grey Cup in end of November. Uh, you also have the Ryder Cup next weekend, and I'm I'm interested to see you know how how operators might take advantage of that because I I would argue that uh, other than the, than the Masters, the Ryder Cup is probably the most watched uh, golf event uh in the world now so we'll see how that uh how that's par parlays um
2: oh per per oh, I am so looking forward to the Ryder Cup. It honestly is one of my top two, three, four favorite events in all of sports. So and it will be interesting to see. I think it's a very competitive matchup. Um I, I always lean the the European side and love some of those players. Um might drop a few bucks uh, on them, maybe get some good value, but um, yeah, there's it, it's a it's a great time of year for sports, right? Baseball's heading into its postseason stretch, NFL's in full swing, hockey, basketball back, and as you say, CFL um, getting into the 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 core of their season, and uh, lots to bet on for sure for the for the sports fans.
1: A word from our sponsor. The Gaming News Canada Show is presented by Osler, Hoskin, and Harcourt LLP. Osler's gaming practice has the insight needed to help clients navigate the complex and evolving landscape of the gaming industry. Osler's position as a trusted advisor in the gaming industry has been built over years of service to operators, suppliers, and gaming authorities. Visit slash gaming for more information. That's forward slash gaming. Now back to the show
0: the other thing guys i mentioned you know one section that we've probably put a little bit more time and effort into for the newsletter the last couple of months and part of it's because of my uh you know being a sports media geek is that uh the media music section of the newsletter kind of is getting bigger and bigger every week and what we try to do is highlight some of the work that's being done in in mainstream media and and uh Greg Wyshynski from ESPN interviewed uh, Keith Wachtel, the, the senior VP of business affairs for the NHL last week about the, d- those digitally enhanced dashboards. Um, and uh, Wachtel uh, mentioned a wish that, that the league is looking at making some changes to that this season. Cause I, I do think there was some fans that was a bit of a put off last season. And Mark, I think you, you and I have chatted about this uh, away from, from this forum, but uh, you know, the advertising rules from the AGCO don't apply to, uh, don't apply to those dasher, digital dasher boards and also to, to in venue. And I would suggest that last year, like if you're watching an, an NHL game, you're getting as much exposure to those logos on the ice and on the boards and in the, in the stands and behind the benches as you are to, to the commercials. So, again, that's something I, I want to watch, especially at the NHL season starts. Just, uh, again, how, you know, how robust do operators and teams uh, use those partnerships once again uh, and the broadcasters as it relates to to the use of dashboards and, and and venue um, brand awareness?
1: I think they pushed them as far as they can, Steve. You know, and, and I think I remember what you were talking about. Steve and I got a chance to watch a, an NHL broadcast from the U.S. I think we were in New- Physically in New Jersey at the time, and it was a very different experience than what we see, uh, in particular on Hockey Night in Canada. Um, there was more ads, there was more variability. the uh, The load wasn't there so heavy into sports betting, and and we were we were in New Jersey, so that, you know there, there's a few operators who who are legally there, but um, because it doesn't relate to the advertising standards, similar to how when we were thinking about sponsored segments, those don't really count either. Um, I, I don't think there's anything stopping the broadcasters or the properties themselves from continuing to do what they have done. Um, you got you got to remember we're we're still in the macro economy. There's still talk of a recession, right? Inflation went up. I mean, in Canada because of the gas price. Let's not even get started on all the taxes and carbon taxes that are in the Canadian gas price. But you you got to think that the broadcasters and the clubs. They need to make money. I mean, they, we have we have rights deals. I mean, NBA coming up now, NHL in a couple of years. I mean, there is just so much going on, and uh, we have to we we have to at least until the regulator makes a call, we have to just allow the properties and the media and, and the media companies to, to earn the revenue that they need. And if sports books and gaming operators wanna wanna contribute, yeah. I, I, I don't see any of that stopping. Hey, Gavin, one thing I will say, and again, I. I... I haven't been to
0: a Blue Jays game at Rogers Centre this year, but as a television viewer, you know, I I find the ads behind the the, the batters and the the catchers and umpires, I mean, I don't find those ads obtrusive at all. You know, obviously the score bet has a, has a huge presence at Rogers Center via their partnership with the, with the Blue Jays, but I don't even really notice those ads during during games. And I don't know if that's because I'm someone who watches a, a fair amount of baseball on, on TV or, or if it's just a different experience than, than a hockey game where you, you know, you, now we have logos changing, changing all the time uh, during a broadcast.
2: Yeah, it's a very different field, right, so to speak. It's a very different viewing experience watching a baseball game. There's just – obviously you are centered on that cat pitcher-catcher behind home plate um, quite a bit um, to the point where you're, you are you can lose yourself kind of having fun looking at the fans behind home plates and, and what they're up to and what they're doing, but um, – but there's just so much else. The the ball's always going out into foul play and uh, uh, foul territory, I should say, and 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 into play, etc. So it, it's easier to see other things than it is that constant back and forth left right shift of a hockey uh, broadcast. But to your point, I think I think um, uh, baseball. I feel spreads around the messaging fairly well you see you know whatever the home hardwares of the world and uh, some some local hospital or or uh, some other product some snack brand uh, advertising behind home plate it's not just a constant barrage but then again I feel the same way about hockey dashboards and and you see a lot of advertising for subway and for Canadian tire and others yeah. I think it's just the naysayers who who will find a reason to complain uh, when i personally haven't found it off putting either in either venue.
1: Yeah, and, and to add to that, Gavin, I mean, i've been to it, been down to the Rogers Centre a few times this season and you know last season i was down to Scotiabank Arena. I got to give credit to the score and and the Blue Jays cuz you know having an exclusive betting sponsor really makes a difference. The actual experience in the stadium, the activations that they have, the seats, that they kind of give away to fans in the stadium. The they have the they have this parlay, this fun, free-to-play game in stadium that you do. It's just it's great. It it adds to the experience of of being at the game, and so just a great example of exclusivity unlocks value and awareness that you know this this kind of co-exclusive. A situation that we see one on Sportsnet broadcast, another one at Scotiabank Arena through the Leafs and Raptors. Um, it's just just different. N- n- none of the books can go deep. They they have lots of signage, but they can't go deep.
0: The other thing I'll mention too, guys, is that just you know having had a chance to listen to league executives talk at different conferences over the last twelve months, is you know they often refer to regulated sports betting that 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 it actually has and uh enhance fan engagement with with their leagues be because uh you know people are just investing now if they're if they're betting on a betting on a game and and uh or or watching game and in play betting and mark, I remember you and I being at Yankee stadium last year during the s b c summit north america and and watching the game and having a couple of guys up behind me talking a few times about bets they were making during the game. And I, I'd, I'd never heard that at a, at a, you know, baseball game or a sporting event for that matter before. And, you know, it's just, it's, listen guys, it's an evolution. Like I, Mark, I'll go back to t- 2010 at the Vancouver Olympics where uh, you know, we had 270,000 people on a, on a Yahoo cover it live live chat during the gold medal hockey game between Canada and and the U S and, uh, the three you, Gavin, and I have talked often about, uh, you know, Twitter and, and the second screen experience and the evolution of that. So, um, you know, obviously there there will always be concerns around problem problem gambling, and and you know the gambling industry does does have issues it needs to deal with. But deal with. But you can't dispute the fact that that sports betting is another another form of engagement for uh, for sports fans
1: no debate here at all and uh, glad you mentioned the RG piece which is uh, which is super critical that then never enough uh, is being done
0: I want to mention a couple other pieces uh, in the media amusing section of the newsletter and again that that section is only available to paid subscribers but there's a really good piece from Heather Fletcher of bonus.com and it, it, she looks at the the uh, at the rules around gambling commercials and in the u.s so if you have have a chance for our listeners you can go to bonus.com and and find heather's heather story which is a good one um david purdom who covers all things sports betting for espn he's he's got a really good piece this week that we linked to on uh on uh bettors making money on on field goal uh successful field goal attempts last weekend and and um uh, we also linked to uh to a New York Post story from Eric Richter about FanDuel losing uh $20 million on on uh, kicker parlays last, last weekend. So just just about the different the different parlays and the different bets that are being offered to to NFL fans and NFL betters uh right now. Um, you know, a name that we're seeing in the newsletter a lot is is ProBet, and and that's as as um U.S. Integrity and, and Odds on Compliance um, get into their their Sports Integrity partnership. But it just seems every week U.S. Integrity and ProBets have new partners. Uh, Matt Ribot- Ribotowski, our friend from Sports Handle, has a really good profile of that company. And I would suggest that that's good reading. And it just leads me to, to wonder again about what, where, if there's an opportunity in Canada f- um along the sports integrity route and, and the Canadian center for ethics and sports it's doing a lot of work right now. And I think it would, it would like to become that business, but it's not, not quite there yet. And I wonder if anybody else might, might step in there. Um, so just lots, lots of good reading. And in, uh, in that, uh, in that section, bet announced yesterday that that it is bringing back the $1 million bracket challenge this year. And, uh, Spotlight Sports Group is is kind of the, they're the ones who did the heavy lifting on the on the back end to to set up that bracket and the Invitational starts uh, starts a week from Friday at the uh, 60 Mile Sports Complex in Oakville. Uh, most if not all the top men's and women's teams in Canada competing in kind of a March Madness style tournament. Just putting on your partnership and sponsorship hat, Gavin. Like how. How much of a draw is when when you have a million dollar contest, whether it's you know the old CFL Wendy's promotion kicking a field goal for a million dollars or or a bracket challenge? How how attractive is that to uh, to
2: consumers? Well, again, you're you're like the canopy thing taking me down memory lane in a negative way. The the Wendy's kick for a million. I was with the CFL back then, and I was at the stadium uh, with some some clients of ours for that, for that kick. It was one of the magical moments of my career. And I've had a few really cool ones that that's up there, just the excitement and the uh, what ensued. I mean, we turned into, you know, like seven year old kids jumping into each other's arms when we saw him make that kick. Um, It worked, that worked certainly um, uh, back then, but, but, you know, flash forward almost 20 years, um, you know, we all kid about it with our spouses that a million dollars doesn't take you as far as they used to. Um, but listen, I, I always look at these things as it's another excuse to come out and make some relevant news um, and and market your brand with, with a story, with with some new development, because you can't just come out with the same old, same old messaging. So when you whether it's a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is, if you put some sort of creative skin around um, a sport, a property, an event, um, it's an excuse to get out to make some noise. and And I think this is an appealing story, and it's fun, and people love brackets. and We March Madness, as you say, has made made brackets uh, uh, a massive. Um, deal in the world of sports and with sports fans so i i, I applaud i keep keep saying this i think points bets has been great they've been scrappy they've been creative they're not sticking to just traditional marketing tactics and this is another example of that
0: this curling can announced last friday that uh that they would found a, a new title sponsor for the briar and that that is uh montana's uh barbecue and, uh, and bar, um, you know, long-established uh, restaurant um, chain in Canada. And, and um, one question we were hoping to ask Nick, and Nick actually addressed in the newsletter this week because we did reach out and, and ask him uh, if point, Point's Better considered, uh, considered t- taking on that title s- sponsorship role, um you know it's fascinating gavin i did a little bit of uh research yesterday and when you look at the history of the briar you know the sponsors have been uh mcdonald mcdonald tobacco and and you and i are probably both been around long enough to remember when when tobacco companies were so heavily invested in sports and entertainment properties in this country and and then the labat brewing company was attached to the briar for years and Nokio had a, a brief run in and, and Tim Hortons, which you know, Tim Hortons had this almost a 20-year run that ended uh, ended last, last spring. Um, there's no doubt that that the Briar is one of the marquee sports properties in Canada.
2: It it makes for a, a cool trivia question, doesn't it? Who are the four previous um, title sponsors of the Briar, and I bet you a lot of people would miss Nokia because that one seemed. Yeah, to, I think Nokia is the Pierce Brosnan of uh, of, <laughs> of of, uh, of uh, Briar sponsors, um, but. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it will be interesting. Are we going to see the brooms now leaving a streak of barbecue sauce down the ice? Or are we going to see some juicy ribs uh, in 3D popping off the ice surface like we did coffee cups? Um, kidding aside, it's, 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 um, it is an iconic property. It's one of those Canadian iconic properties. And, and longevity, um, the, the success... Um, of our, of the winners of the briar going on to have success at the Olympics and the world stage makes it, um, iconic. Many say it's harder to get out of the provinces than it is to win the briar. That's what makes it special. You've got just great quality of competition and then it's been broadcast, right? And, and so we all see the coverage beamed into our living rooms and on our phones and on our devices. And the coverage is so good, um, so all that makes it a, a, a wonderful, wonderful property, and not a surprise that um, they were able to sell it. It always opens you up to a little bit of criticism about is this the right brand fit? It's a bit awkward from going Tim Hortons Briar to the Montana's Barbecue and Bar. Um, uh, you know, people will come up with their own name for it. Montana's Briar, I guess, will 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 work. Um, and it would have been a very competitive process for Curling Canada to, I'm sure they were entertaining a number of brands at a significant price point. So, good on them. And, um, you know, another era begins, right? Um, and as Nick said, I, I, my gut with, and maybe Nick will say this, maybe he won't. He was very diplomatic and, and humorous in his response, was it probably was a price point that didn't make sense for points bet to pony up and they're happy to play their again scrappy tactical strategic instead of write the big check and be at the top of the uh the bill
0: last question on on the, the title sponsorship gavin is there any uh, you know is there any danger or concern about having a sports book be be a title sponsor
2: um yeah i i I think there is. I I think there is. It it takes me back to the CFL. Lots of memory lane stuff uh, today. Um, When we were looking, when I was at the league in the mid-2000s, and we were looking at title sponsor just because the board wanted us to look at it, and I would have benefited tremendously from selling it. Uh, I was head of sales, head of partnerships, and I was against it. I just felt that there are some properties that you don't attach a brand to, whether controversial or not, that was one perspective. This one, I think people are more open to a title sponsorship. Of course, it's been there for a while. But still, it, it is a treasured property, and there's enough of a group out there who are anti gambling that it would have risked alienating. So so that's a good point, Steve. Maybe even if Points Bet would have kicked tires on it, would, would, would Curling Canada have accepted a, a sports book? Maybe not.
0: Uh, great stuff, thanks. Thanks for that, Gavin.
2: That wraps up
0: this week's edition of the uh, the Gaming News Canada Show presented by Ulcer Hoskin Harcourt LLP. Uh, you can listen to this show again for the listeners here today, and thank you for being with us. But this show does come out on a podcast. We are grateful to to Mark and and Gavin for for stepping in and, and pinching chatting you can find the podcast on gamingnewscanada.ca and of course the various podcast platforms as always uh if you want to learn more about the canadian sports betting and gaming industry suggest that you uh you get a subscription to gaming news canada thanks so much again for joining us
1: thank you for listening to the gaming news canada show sign up for our newsletter at gamingnewscanada.ca Follow Steve McAllister on LinkedIn to join the live audience. Message Steve if you're interested in being a sponsor or featured guest.